0: I don't see myself as like a shepherd of the planet. I don't, I, don't, I don't think TK is gonna change the world. But what I can do, is I can be a good father. I can be a good husband. I can be a good uh, manager and business owner of the people at Nutramedia and the people that work at Core Culture. I can affect their lives. I can help them prosper. I can help them, you know, I want them to be a little uncomfortable. I want to be that thing that makes them a little uncomfortable so they can learn what discomfort is, so they can learn how to be self-reliant on themselves. So if I want to impact on the world, I just want to influence the people around me in a positive way that can help make them better and grow so that they can survive. They can learn how to survive. The Sacred Podcast.
1: All right, so we're live. We're here. What's up, TK? What's up, dude? It's
0: been a minute.
1: I know. It's been... How long has it been?
0: I don't know, maybe a couple Co- weeks. A couple <laughs> of weeks, I know, right? <laughs> a minute. Uh,
1: it's good to see you, man. Uh, can you actually tell the audience who you are and uh, what you do?
0: For sure, I'd love to. So, and um, you can
1: just, you can just look at me while you're talking, i right. you don't have to look at the camera. Uh, okay, yeah. sorry
0: guys, sorry. I mean, if
1: you wanna talk directly.
0: Uh, all right, well, my name's TK, my name's Taylor. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I created a business called Media. And I'm one of the co-founders of Core Culture.
1: That's awesome. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about NutriMedia, how I got started?
0: Right. So Actually, how
1: about this? Let's start from the beginning because I know you have a wild story. Yeah. How did you get to where you're at right now?
0: <sighs> okay, so for those who don't know, owning NutriMedia. NutriMedia is a nutraceuticals branding and marketing agency. Mm-hmm. We do branding and marketing in all types of different medias mostly for nutraceutical brands. So energy drink companies, different types of supplement companies. We obviously have a clothing line. We're both rocking the core culture today. Um, yeah, so anything you see branding wise, as far as like the logos, the labeling, the packaging, the social media, the advertisements, the websites, anything you really see about a brand, we work with probably over 80 national and global brands. So. Hmm. Uh, if you walk into any supplement store in the United States or really for anywhere around the world, for that matter, there's like a 90% chance a good portion of the branding on that wall. We've, we've done, you know, a handful of them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how did I get here? That's the question. So about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, I worked for this little company it's not a little company anymore. So if you walk into a gas station today and you go to the energy drink section, there's a drink called C4. I know C4. Yeah. So back in the day, that was a little bitty company of about, I don't know, 30 people in College Station, Texas. And so I was fortunate enough to be 30 something employee. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was hired there from a buddy that I lived on his couch like right out of college, hmm. and I was taking classes at Blinn, and I basically got a job like sweeping floors and packing boxes. So that was like my first gig into supplements. Didn't know anything, didn't, never lifted weights, didn't really do fitness. I was like a sports guy. I was an athlete, mm-hmm. but I was never like a you know, weightlifting guy.
1: And you just applied?
0: Yeah, just my buddy through. just, I actually was like a mover. Like I worked for moving companies and I um, uh, did like trim carpentry and odds and end jobs. And I was always kind of an entrepreneur. Like I, uh, I would find a way to make money. And then my buddy called me up one day. I was living in Waco. And he was like, hey, I got this job. It's for a really cool company. It's uh, growing really fast. And they're hiring. And like, I was like trying to get out of this relationship that I was in. And I was just like, you know what?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I got nothing else better going on and keep in mind i'm like 20 years old you know so wow. pretty young you know, yeah so i'm 34 right now so uh yeah a little over 10 years ago so I'm i literally up you, man. yeah <laughs> I, I hopped into a jeep uh with like a bag with some clothes in it literally like a hefty bag and i had a dog named trigger uh we just like hopped in the jeep and i drove to college station and i literally just like showed up at his house and i was like all right where's this job yo um and he was like, oh, you can like live on my couch until you get some money." And so I, I literally lived on his couch for a month before they actually gave me the job because I went up to what was—it's called—it was called Woodbolt, uh, and the brand's called Cellucor. Okay. So it, Cellucor owns C4. Okay. The, the, the brand, the, the logo C4 used to be just a pre-workout and they had like, I don't know, 20 or 30 different products and C4 was just one of them. Mm. They still have all those products, but c 4s kind of become its, its taken own off. thing. yeah, yeah. I it's see like C4 a, everywhere. It's like its own brand now, but at the time C4 was was actually new. Um, so I didn't know anything about any of this stuff at the time. I, I just wanted a job and they gave me one. And yeah, I, I worked there for... I don't know, maybe almost four years, and in that time, it went from a little company to a really big company. But I was fortunate enough to like be in pretty close proximity to, uh, you know, the the executives. Mm-hmm. So while gr- growing with the real small company that's growing that quickly, you're in this like hyper state where everyone around you, first of all, everyone's like family. And I, I you mm-hmm. know, I lived away from my family. So my job became like my life Your family. and like everyone. Yeah. So being in. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, you're good. Excuse me. You get all out. <laughs> there might be another one coming, yeah. but we're good for now. So being in close proximity to uh, executives at this level while this thing's growing so fast and sort of seeing how they operate was, I was just like a sponge at that age. Mm-hmm. And I I, I was lucky enough to have my roommate that I was living with was like the owner's little brother. And so like I got to be kind of around, you know, the top dogs of that company and sort of see how everyone operated. I got to go to meetings and, um, you know, after parties and all that fun stuff and just kind of absorbed it all. And then it grew into this really large company. And then I just decided one day that I wanted to kind of do my own thing. So I just, on a whim, I left. Uh, actually, i i like wanted to like create a family. Like I wanted to get married and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And the job I had was good, but it wasn't like a career, okay. And so, you know, I was like, I love working here. And I love everyone I'm working with. But when a company grows, you know, they stop needing to like promote from within. Mm-hmm. You know, they start kind of going out and finding people in New York and l a and Chicago and Australia. and you know they're they're starting to hire all the jobs that I was hoping that I would one day like work my way into, Mm -hmm. uh, which I actually did like get promoted quite a bit, but like nothing like an executive level job. Right. Right. And, you know, I never, I actually dropped out of college while working there because I was like kind of banking on, you know, I'm going to grow with this thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was this dream that we were all going to get real rich. And that came true for, for a good handful of people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got to see that happen like in real time during my youth and I got to be a part of it. And so, yeah, I left that job without knowing anything about graphic design and I started learning graphic design on YouTube.
1: Before you continue, I literally thought that you had learned graphic design from working at Cellucor. I
0: started started doing it, yeah. Like, Like, I started looking at YouTube stuff and like three months into it, I was like, you know what, I want to do this on my own now.
1: That's actually wild that you learned from YouTube,
0: yeah, because my job at CelCo was uh, I was actually like a customer service rep and an event specialist, so okay. like I would go all over the country to like crossFit games and the Arnold Expo remember mm-hmm. we went to the Arnold Expo together yeah, yeah, so absolutely. like so
1: like I so, like, would, set up the booths and everything yeah,
0: so my job was to like set up the booths and like sell the product and make sure that everything you know was you know Gucci everything was working good yeah. Um, and so I got to know a lot about supplements and the supplement business through that whole season in life. Um, and I, I, supplements were never like something I was like super passionate about. It was mm-hmm. just like, I just thought it was kind of cool. It was like an interesting thing, biochemistry. And then I got into fitness and then you kind of put those two things together. But what was always exciting about me was the marketing part. Right. You know, I always thought that was the fun one. And I always actually wanted a job in marketing, which uh, I actually applied because they were they moved their their uh, headquarters, not their headquarters, but their their marketing department to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, 21, 22 at the time. I was like, hey, take me, take me, I wanna go. And they like denied my resume and they're like, you're just like, we're hiring people in Manhattan who like went to college. Or went to college for for, for marketing, and you're just like some country boy from Texas. And I was like, I'll show you, I'll show you boys, Just kind of funny, I got a funny story about that because (laughs) the guy who was the uh, owner, who was the head of the marketing department now is the CEO and owner of the, of the brand Ghost. So C4 and Ghost now compete against each other. Uh, And and if you ever go into a grocery store, you'll see a ghost can right next to a C4 can. The guy who, who owns Ghost once worked for C4, and that was gonna be my boss that I applied for. Anyways, we've like squashed it and we're like friends now.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, That's
0: wild. Yeah, but I, I kind of jabbed him about it one time. I was like, well, that time you didn't hire me. It's like, I bet you feel dumb now. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, but um, this is like long winded. So, like 10, 12 years ago. So, I quit doing that. I decided I want to be in marketing, so I was going to teach myself first off graphic design. Yeah. So I started like an Amazon business with one of the guys who worked at Cellucor. He also left the company. He uh, he got vested out, so he made a you know a nice little chunk of money when he left. And so we went ahead and took a bunch of money, and then we bought a whole bunch of like essential oils and like salts, and then we repackaged mm-hmm. them, and we needed a label for them. So I designed a label for them, and then we needed like pictures for them for Amazon. And then we needed like a video. So like I learned myself video editing. I learned photography and I learned graphic design all by trying to like figure out a way to market these essential oils and these salts on Amazon. Yeah. So I spent like a year not making any money at all, just trying to figure this out. Like, uh-huh. just I just lived off of what I had saved. Yeah. Um, and then I did that until somebody called me one day really randomly in like the cannabis space in California. So like I knew some people from uh from Cellucor. It's actually a wild story. You know the brand Avenge Sevenfold? Which one? Avenge Sevenfold. I don't think so. It's like a metal band. It's like a really big metal band.
1: Okay. They're, they're, They're huge. Okay yeah I'm not really into metal much but.
0: Yeah they're I don't expect you to be, yeah. but like if you knew, if anyone Avenge, Avenge knows you Avenged Sevenfold I'll look it I'll is, up. Yeah. They're Jamie. Like, <laughs> they're like one of the biggest metal <laughs> Jamie, bands look that up real quick. in the world, like one of the biggest. And so they were taking Cellucor mm-hmm. products, right? So okay. they used to take it. Okay. We used to send them free stuff. And since I was kind of on like the street team for the events and stuff, like I, part of my job was to kind of like, um correspond with people so they can get free stuff mm. like influ- before influencers were influencers like my job was to kind of support influencers but they weren't called influencers then you know what i mean
1: they're artists
0: yeah they, they were just popular, popular, people. popular popular celebrity popular people. people this yeah. is like before TikTok, really before instagram like instagram existed but there w- people didn't like have a career off of being right. a social media person right like right. they had a career and then if you wanted to have uh, you know, different like brand ambassadors is what we called them. So okay. they were basically brand ambassadors. So I I created some sort of a correspondence with their their manager, okay, their band manager, and so um, that guy knew another guy who was we were doing this essential oil stuff for, and he like hit him up one day was like, hey, I need I've got some friends who are uh, selling some cannabis products, you know, like brownies and things like that with like infused with cannabis. And they're in orange county and he's like i need somebody to make me some bags for some packaging for our brownies and so he's like oh i got a guy and so like he hit me up and he's mm. like hey do you want to you want to design this bag for you know like these brownies and i was like "Shit, I yeah i get paid they're gonna pay me to do it he's like yeah mm. so i designed a uh, a pack it was terrible totally bad like not good at all <laughs>
1: you still have pictures of it
0: uh it's buried somewhere
1: uh, if I don't you know. can find it, I'll put it on the screen on the podcast.
0: Yeah, it, it might be hard. But yeah, so I got some, I got some of those. Okay. Um, I, I so would, I would well, that like ended up like it. opened me up into this whole weird little subculture of cannabis brands. Because this was like right when they were breaking into like their legal. Oh, in Cali. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was like the way cannabis in California worked, at least at the time, like the way that they distribute their products. Like, um, you have to hold a special type of license Mm -hmm. and so they would like create these kind of like super groups where like one guy had the license, but he would like pool a bunch of money for like 10 brands to operate out of that license. But they were all like different companies and different brands all Mm -hmm. operated by different people, but they all kind of used like one guy's license. So like I got to know this one guy and so he basically like set me up with 10 brands and he was like, all right, Mm -hmm. I got, you need to make stuff for 10 different brands. And I'm in Texas at the time, like, you know, like. I like cannabis like the, you know, everyone else, but (laughs) I'm not like a connoisseur, right? Like I didn't know anything about the business. People in
1: Cali build different.
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) so I start, it starts getting serious where they want me to go there and back to help them with their social media. So I'm like flying to San Diego like twice a month. Wow. And going and I'm I'm helping them do their social media and do their events and do their packaging and just anything media-wise. This is just me in like a crummy little Canon like 60D uh-huh. you know crop sensor camera and like Photoshop on my laptop. I'm just like trying to make it work, trying to figure it out. And I'm like charging these guys like literally like 15 bucks an hour. I'm not really making anything. I'm like breaking even, but they I'm like,
1: at least paying for your flights.
0: No, i paid for my own flights.
1: Wow.
0: So yeah, I like, wow. kinda, I kind of like taught myself how to, uh, that, 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 that comes with where we're at now yeah. and I'll get to it all. Obviously it's not $15 an hour now. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so,
0: um, yeah. so I like taught myself kind of the business part mm-hmm. of being a freelancer mm-hmm. at first, and then it became kind of too overwhelming for one person to do. But um, besides all that, I was starting to kind of make my name for this little cannabis space, which is kind of weird for tax reasons in Texas. They're all paying you cash. I don't really know how, way how I'm like supposed to like report that on my taxes in Texas. So I was like, oh, well shit, this isn't like a scalable thing. And you know, I can't really hire a bunch of people to go work for a bunch mm-hmm. of weed companies in California out of Texas unless I moved to California Mm. and I'm like married and you know have a house with my wife and stuff and like she's she's not a part of this world at all so she's like that's weird she's like that's just a weird kind of whole thing you got going on so so I was like yeah but like it's something people are paying me to do this and she's like yeah it's cool that people are paying you now (laughs) because she yeah she supported me for like two years you know you know my wife really saw You know, she she believed in what I was doing, and like if there's anything I can say, anyone is like if you have a partner in life that believes in you. I mean, you got someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's special.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's especially these days. I don't. It's it's really hard to find a woman who's willing to actually stick with you when you're at your lowest. Yeah,
0: and she was there for me.
1: The fact that you had that. Yeah. And you have that now.
0: Well, you know, I met her when I was at. At that company and so your core yeah and you know it was a good job right you know in mm-hmm. your 20s is a good job and i was making my own money and had my own place and um <laughs> and i went to her day i was like like I, like this is cool but i'm not happy like i told you i want to mm-hmm. you know like i want i told her i was like i want to have a family with you but I, I can't ask you to marry me yet because like we don't have enough money we had a home together we don't have enough money yeah. to have kids together yeah you know it's just a weird time to be paying for all this stuff when you're in your mid 20s and you're making, you know, 13 bucks an hour. Right. So, you know, she luckily had a good job and she was like, quit. I was like, quit, what am I supposed to do? She's like, I-, I make money, I'll be your sugar mama, you know? like <laughs> She's like, I'll take care of you until you get off your feet. She's like, but do you like have a plan? And I was kind of telling her what I wanted to do. I was like, mm. I was like, I wanna create like a, a media company. I wanted to like do branding and marketing. It's like i don't know exactly what i want to do yet and i'm not really good at it yet but like you mm. know i'm going to get adobe photoshop and i'm going to get illustrator and i'm going to get premiere pro and i'm going to sit here every single day and i'm going to work at it until i'm good at it and she's like i believe you.
1: it's so crazy how these programs are so affordable yeah and anyone can do what you just did
0: yeah 75 but you bucks a month
1: to put in the effort you have to put in the work dude
0: uh, i probably spent two years in a room by myself just at a computer while she went to work Mm -hmm. when she would wake up and go to work and i would wake up and go to work now i was not making money for it yeah but i was still
1: working you're still working
0: and and she if she was at work eight hours a day i was sitting there at that desk eight hours a day and i did that two years by myself not you know not Talking to anyone, no friends. You know, all the mm. people that I had called, my friends and my family, they—they were still doing the core thing. Mm. I'm kind of like You're doing cast, on your uh, own. come cast off from the from the the cool ship, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just basically just doing this all by myself. It's incredibly lonely, but mm-hmm. I really, really wanted to. I really wanted to show her that you know I, that I was thankful for her. You know, seeing that in in me, mm-hmm. and so like I, I, I like, was, I owed it to her to like be good at this, you know. So, Absolutely. so I spent like, like I said, about two and a half years really just kind of like sharpening the sword. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing that stuff in the cannabis space, and it still wasn't good yet. Like, keep in mind, like. It was garbage. It wasn't good work, but, but they good were willing to, to bring you back. Yeah, they, it was because I was cheap, right? Like okay. <laughs> I was dirt cheap and I was willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I did, did it. You know They asked me to do things, and I did it. Was it good? I wouldn't say it was good, but like, you know I'm kind of a dog that'll hunt, you know you, know, you shoot yeah. that bird out there, I'm gonna go get it. Yeah, you know <laughs> So like, that's, that's just how I kind of treated that whole situation. Yeah. until one day, a buddy of mine who was the original formulator of C4. His name is Joey Savage. He called me. Okay. And so he lived here in Austin for a little bit. And he had tried to launch his own brand, uh, creating like a ketone product. And he had me do some things on it, you know, with helps with labels and some website and social media and photos and stuff. And uh, we actually went to Vegas and won this award. It was really cool, but it was like short-lived. Nothing really happened to this brand. He couldn't raise enough money to make it like go to the next level. Mm. Excuse me. Anyways, he called me and he was like, look, I just got hired at this new place. It's a manufacturing facility that manufactures supplements. It's out of Houston. And we need someone to help us with labels because we're going to be launching like four full lines of supplements. And I was like, I've, I've been out of the supplement game for like two years now, Mm. you know? You've been working with cannabis. Exactly. And he was like, oh, no, I'll teach you everything as far as like the, the compliance regulatory stuff goes. Mm. We just need like someone to work with us who's creative. And, um, I had this idea for a cannabis brand where I was going to take a bunch of like old, uh, nostalgic, like nineties and eighties movie posters. Mm -hmm. And I was going to make like t-shirts out of them, the old space jam. And, uh, I had this idea where I was going to mix it in with the branding of this one cannabis brand. And so like, I I built this whole set of like apparel and t-shirts and graphic tees for them that were like, you know, one was space jam, one was like Kill Bill. Like, there was all these different movies and things in pop culture from, like, the 90s and 2000s that I thought were dope. Yeah. And then I, like, kind of, like, cannabis-fized them. Um, and then I showed them to the guy, and he was like, what are you doing? Like, we can't sell these because, like, these are all, all, like, marketed to kids. I'm like, no, they're not. They're marketed to, like, t- 20 and 30-year-olds now. I'm like, right, because kids don't really know what all these these movies were. That's so true. And he was like, but they got, like, cartoons and stuff on them. And I was like... All right, well, I mean, I thought it was a banger idea, but if you don't like it, then like, whatever, you don't have to print all these shirts, I don't know. And so like that, I just had this like storage of these files mm-hmm. of this idea, of this concept. And when my buddy Joey called me about doing these 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 labels for these supplement companies, I went down to Houston to this guy who in this manufacturing company uh, that manufactures supplements. That, that's what mm-hmm. I mean by manufacturing supplements. They, they take all the powders and the pills and they compound them and then they make them into Consumer goods that you see on the shelves. They're like, well, what, what can you do? So I kind of showed them this idea of like taking these like movie themes and then like, you know, cr- creating them as an inspiration piece for like whatever we were going to do for this for this product. Right. So they had this product called uh, Super Greens. They didn't have a label or a look for it yet. They it was do just the name. They had a formula and they're like, it's going to be a greens powder. Mm. And now I was like, oh, Super Greens. Like that's fucking Space Jam. Like that's so Space Jam. <clears throat> so I went back to my, you know, my lab. And I made like a mock of, you know, sort of kind of looked like the Space Jam sort of logo, but I renamed it Super Greens and it sort of had the same look and vibe and colors Mm. and textures and stuff. And this is like, you're not really supposed to do this because it's like infringes on IP, but when you're like a small startup company, at least in the supplement space, like this is kind of a way that people sort of jump themselves into the front line is by like kind of getting people's attention. And then once you get distribution, then you start to like uh, narrow down, right? You start you to doing? rebrand and refine your brand. That's like, so mm-hmm. like I've always known this kind of about, about supplements because the supplement industry is kind of like the cannabis industry where it's like the wild west. There's not a lot of rules. I was
1: just about to say that.
0: Yeah. So if you know kind of how to play the game, you can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can like leverage yourself into cool spaces and, and scale really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I came back with this idea and he was like, this is cool. So we built out this entire line based off of this sort of theme and so the brand absolutely took off like it boom it exploded it's in gnc it's in every shelf today it's the one the number one selling brand in gnc today which brand it's called glaxon
1: Glaxon. yeah
0: so i designed the original branding for that brand and it was uh it was really cool it was like kind of like Weird, nostalgic spaceman theme. And we did all these wild and wacky videos and mm-hmm. like weird shit that you see on TikTok today. Like, we would do all that stuff where we would just get a, attention by being like super polarizing. And mm-hmm. well, it worked really well. So uh, it was growing really fast. And I was like, I went to the owner because I'm driving like an hour and a half to the office every single day,
1: mm-hmm. each
0: way. So it's like a three hour round trip. So I'm like, hey, man, like, I've kind of invested a lot of time into this. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm a big part of it because like we literally started it from just an idea, me, you, and this other guy, Joey, yeah. we started this as an idea. I'm like, but you know, you own the company and I'm only getting paid this much and like, let's just like go in together. And here's the thing, like he, he, he owned a manufacturing company, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So he's bringing in business manufacturing products for all different types of brands, not just his own Glaxon. Mm-hmm. And so. People start coming to him to try and get like to replicate sort of the success we've seen. So mm-hmm. he's kind of like selling a lot more business on the work that me and this guy, Joey did, which is fine. Like, that's what we want to do. We want to see the company grow. Right. So I was super happy to do that, but I was like, hey man, if, if we're going to be trading off our name, we should have a little bit of buy-in. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, nah. Was, straight up no. Yeah. He was like, no, I got, you know, we've got other plans for, for how I want to do this, which is fine. Me and this guy are cool now, by the way, he's okay. like a good friend. Okay. Um, And I understand why he, that was the decision he made, but uh, it didn't work for me for where I was at in my life because I was starting to get a sort of a reputation for it. Okay. Right? So people start calling me and saying, TK, can you, can you make us a label for this? Can you make us a label yeah. for this? But I'm under, you know, I'm contracted by this guy, so I can't technically do any other work without kind of breaking him in on it. But see, mm. when he brings in a, a manufacturing deal, I may get paid, uh, you know, a thousand, two thousand $2,000, whatever. Mm-hmm. He makes a seventy, eighty $80,000 PO. You know what I mean? There's a big discrepancy between, Wow. you know what I mean? When you're right. manufacturing, yes, because manufacturing is very lucrative.
1: Absolutely. It's also
0: very expensive too. So like I understand to, it to now. To get started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, so costs a, a lot
0: of money. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. So I get kind of popular in this weird world of supplements because this brand gets super popular. Mm-hmm. So I created this, uh, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to go and do this on my own. And he mm-hmm. was like, whatever, dude. He's like, I already got the distribution. I can go and hire somebody to just do the labels from now on because like it already has a look, which they did. And that person really did a great job of taking the brand on and to the, to the next level. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I stepped back and said, let's start my own media company now. So uh, that's when I uh, got in touch with the people who we launched core culture with. Right. So right when I kind of left that job, I kind of became like a hot ticket item for a lot of people trying to hire me. And I was like, I don't want to be hired. I want to create an agency.
1: You're so, tired of building other brands up.
0: Exactly. I felt like I had helped make a few millionaires and I was like I want to be one <laughs> you know it's only yeah, fair
1: absolutely. Uh, I'm not
0: stupid I you know I kind of understand that. I mean I'm not I'm not the brightest person in the world but I'm talented enough to know you know where my strengths are and I know right. my talents so that's what you're I'm pretty smart that. TK uh I went you're
1: pretty smart watch this man talk about labels and it goes over my
0: head for sure <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You know a lot about video that I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess too soon, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like you follow your passion and you're really good at it, right? I'm decent. Yeah. So I just kind of follow mine (laughs) and and I just know where my strengths and my weaknesses are. Right. Yeah. So, uh... So you met up, so you ended up meeting the people that... So, so Core Culture is owned by another manufacturing company. So it's technically a competitor of this other place that I worked for. They're both in Texas. Um, And and this was a newer one. They just kind of started up. They just built their facility Mm -hmm. at Verticore. And um, I, I, you know, walk in, kind of tell them the story I just told you. I was like, this is what I've done. This is what happened. Like, since I was 20 years old, my whole life has kind of awkwardly been about supplements. And this is where I'm at now. And for whatever reason, I've seen it. I've been a part of a lot of success. But yet, like, me, myself, don't feel like I've made it. Like I've right. I've been on a bunch of winning teams. I've seen the bottom of the mountain scale to like hundred million dollar companies and, and been a part of it, a critical part of it. But yet me myself, like I've never been in the position to be like, you know, the boss guy, you know, right. I've never been the owner or an executive or they've replaced you. I've always been replaced or yeah. I worked myself out of a job yeah. or there's always someone else that's, you know, before me, seniority or whatever, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, life happens and it's serendipitous. But when I was in that room with them, I told them that same story that I told you, and they're like, "Well, TK, how can we help you?" You know? They're like, "Well, you got some things that we that that could help us because we have clients that need your talents, and we've got things that we want to do." They were talking about core culture. They're like, "We want to do our own brand too." And I was like, "Well, guys, look, this is cool and all, but like, I don't want to jump into bed with anything unless like I got some skin in the game." And they're like, "Well, just okay, this okay." we're like this is what we're going to do we're going to launch this brand if you want to be a part of it be a part of it and i was like all right well i want to start a media company um and and do this for a lot of brands and they're like great they're like we could send you a business i was like okay so my, as, as long as you're okay with being not conflicting doing mass um and and, and taking on customers that may potentially be your competitors. Like we can launch this brand core culture together. And they're like, Shoot, we support you, man. Like we see your vision. You want to see core culture win. So we, we ended up doing this deal where I could own a part of core culture mm-hmm. and still do focus on neutral media. And they were going to help us out with core culture by basically providing us for neutral media is basically like core uh, client to start. What mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're like, you're gonna give us enough billings to start off so we can go and hire people and get an office and stuff and kind of get started mm-hmm. which they did and so we you know essentially core culture paid mutual media in order to do all of the media work for it right that's essentially how it worked out um and since then both brands all three of them very core mutual media and core culture all of us kind of grown into their own things just grow because we've been about out of about three years now and Today we have shoot like over eighty clients at Nutramedia, um, which are different brands. Like I said, if you go into any GNC, you'll see our work. If you go into any vitamin shop, you'll see our work. If you walk into Walmart, you'll see our work. H E B. The Glaxel and H E B. So my logo is technically H E B, but all the all logos have been refreshed and I was there. But if you walk into H E B, yeah, the Glaxon logo, I designed it. So technically I'm an A G B. Um I can't really take that win because you know somebody else didn't you know kind of got them into hd i didn't help with that part and as a designer that's what gives me pride seeing my work sure. live on in places i can literally walk into like that's cool to me uh, and then also seeing it being enjoyed by people like on the other side of the planet it's pretty cool too. So. really yeah like when you're you know sometimes you'll see like influencers and people like unboxing you know influencer kits that we designed like in australia mm. or in china uh Today, we have clients in Poland, we have clients in Dubai, Australia, um, Russia, South America, Canada. I mean, they're all over the world well, now.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. Your journey has been crazy and I, Well, one thing that stuck out to me is, is the fact that you said your, like your wife now, but your, your girlfriend back then mm-hmm. literally trusted you enough to support you until you
0: got to the point you're at now. Yeah, man, she she put up with him for sure.
1: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> speaking of putting up with you, so you know, especially these days, you know, a, a lot of women actually want to. Um, I mean, of, of course, there's a wave of women who who really want to work and have their own. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women want to be with a guy who's successful. Yeah. How is it? How is it juggling a family? And juggling a, a, a big business like neutral media. Like how like what what is that
0: like? First of all, like any business owner knows this. Um there's there's a couple things. First of all, you never ever forget about the multiple mouths. Like it, it weighs on you and everything. And what I mean by that is we only have eleven people at neutral media. It's not a big business. Like it's not, it's not even close to what my vision is for. Mm. Like I envision Offices and places all around the world with staff of multiple people. That's how I see it. We only have 11 people right now, but those 11 people all have wives or husbands or significant others if they're not married yet. Some of them have kids, some of them have dogs and pets. Mm -hmm. All of those amounts are being fed to what we're able to bring through Nutri Media. Our staff's all young. They're all college students. They're all college grads. So that, that, that never leaves you at eating all of it. Mm. That, that you're responsible for them paying their bills. So you have to bring in business so that you can make sure that everyone's paid. And that's, that's heavy. And that it's a- very stressful. Uh, it's fun. it's not be It's fun. We have a lot of fun, but it's also very stressful. And so it's almost like they become a part of your family too. And then you know you got your, your family, family, your home life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't ever get to turn it off. I know that feeling. Yeah. So I know that feeling. And I was having a conversation with one of our, you know, team members the other day. I was like, look, man, it may look all cool from my, you know, from your perspective looking at me. Um, yeah, I would get to go to all these places and spend all this money and like it ain't no thing, right? Like, you know whatever we want we got it but at the end of the day you can go home you can forget about all this you can you don't have to take it all with you like it never leaves me it's there when i it's while i sleep i dream about it It's when i wake up it's every second of every moment i'm worrying about not just worrying, but like my, I have to be hyper focused on every little thing that's happening across the entire gamut of the business. So I got to know, you know, the clients want what they need, who's paid, who hasn't paid, who owes money, and how we're leveraging incoming finances and outbound so they can pay other people and then making sure all the work is good, you know, and the critical part about the work being good. So there's just a lot to manage and you're you get um, kinda jaded. You get so addicted to living at that speed that you don't know how to live at any other speed. Mm. So like vacationing, like you go places. And do you it? You travel. Yeah. And you enjoy yourself.
1: So it's, um, of course I enjoy myself, but I travel a lot for work. And as, as much, anyone who's in the space that I'm in who travels for work, as much as, as great as it looks, just like you just said. Yeah it's not the same as a vacation
0: well i've done what you do with the camera gear like that's what i used to that was my yeah. job with the cannabis stuff to a degree mm-hmm. where you have to account for all your gear cool. account for all the shots uh-huh. account for how that's going to post at it mm-hmm. and then you have to do this in some weird timeline and then you gotta figure about how you know how am i gonna pay for all this and then still make some money at the end of it
1: absolutely <laughs> but, 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 and then in, not even to not to mention if depending on what country you're in you might be in a country where it might not be safe and you're walking around with
0: completely complicates the whole with yeah.
1: thousands of dollars worth of gear at all times it's just sketchy it can be sketchy at times so it's yeah it looks great and I, like I said I, I wouldn't trade it for anything I wouldn't trade it for any for anything in the world but um, it's it's now like a vacation
0: yeah but you're also kind of addicted to that shit
1: I'm addicted to it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love it. Same. Yeah. Love it. So, the settlement world is really weird. Like I was saying, like, it's kind of, it's really fast and it's really aggressive and it's really competitive and the rules are loose and they're gray and they kind of go into these spectrums of like, you know, so like what you think is in these things kind of gets misconstrued, you know, like the kind of deeper you go back. Into the game, the more you know what kind of how messed up the cut is, mm-hmm. and then you try and find ways to like be light in that, right? You try and do things all the, the moral way, which and most people do. Most people are good, but like when it comes to like making money, there's cheat codes. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so I know a little, little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's like any business, you know, like really anything. There's like I don't want to say corruption, but there's like a there's a spectrum in which like you kind of dip in and out. Of like you know breaking the rules and bending over some things like that
1: is it because it's so it's not regulated
0: it's enough? loosely loosely regulated it's not regulated by the fda but it is watched after by the fda and there are some uh i don't want to say regulatory bodies there are some like regulation publishings like on how you should operate mm-hmm. Uh, especially at a manufacturing level. And there's some sort of on of packaging and marketing compliance way, which we do on our side. It's kind of technical and like how we design labels and ones that are compliant. But there's also a whole B side where, you know, somebody selling something in a place like Walmart, they need to be pretty damn compliant because, you know, they're making a lot more money. So there's a lot more liability. There's a lot more people taking in unless Walmart has their liability. So they're going to make sure that that's a really legitimate product.
1: That's, your, that's kind of where I wanted to take this.
0: Yeah, so if you're like in a national retailer, any national retailer that you know, is a big box store and that's buying millions and millions of a product, they're going to put their ducks in there. They have all these compliance and legal that before you even get approved to sell in there, you have to meet these parameters. That's not the same for Joe's Supplement Store that you can go down the corner and get. Mm. That's completely different game. And that game is a wild. You can get some pretty cool shit at those stores, too. But that's <laughs> like, you know, you, yeah, really want, to get, you want to get real big and real skinny, you know, yeah. you can go there and get stuff like that. And it, you know, on a biochemistry level, it, it works like there's science that proves that it works, but that doesn't necessarily mean the FDA is like, well, there could be side effects. Cool. With maybe, maybe not. Sometimes the FDA just doesn't know. So they just don't know. So they don't really have a regul a regulation on it, you need a regulation on it, you know, uh, some other retailers might deem that too risky, and they'll just be like, eh, now we don't want you to put that in your product." They, like, there's some ingredients that are actually really, really good for people that are just basically B vitamins that are getting banned by the FDA right now.
1: Really? Yeah, and they're really, really. Why would very good for you? Why would they ban them
0: if they're good for you? There's a lot of lobbying from pharmaceutical companies.
1: That's that's actually messed up.
0: Yeah, that's how it works? That's what I'm saying. There's a spectrum, and shit gets kind of weird and corrupted.
1: Are you saying because it in, it, it intrudes on their profits? It, well, like a like what are these vitamins used for?
0: So what I'm talking about specifically is a B vitamins called in and It's called a uh, nucleotide mononucleotide. I should I shouldn't. I'm not even trying to say that. Um, and so there's. There's a, uh, a doctor, I think, at Stanford or okay. at MIT, his name's David Sinclair, um, and he published a paper. He was actually on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of years ago. He published a paper about this This ingredient, that one, this one, also another one called metformin, in which, like, actually uh, slow down the degradation of cells. So there's an ingredient that you can take that's an over-the-counter dietary supplement that's known to slow down the degradation of cells. So, Anthony, you do. Yes, anti-aging, anti-cancer, anti—you know anything that has degradation of cells, which is literally what aging is. So it slows this down tremendously over time. As long as you saturate your blood and keep on taking it, okay. and for past couple of years, it's been an over-the-counter supplement, really, really luc- uh, like luxuriously expensive one. by I add it's expensive as shit. You're uh even. Yeah, they're like it's like. 30-something thousand dollars a kilo. So, to break that down into, you know, several products and so then you add a bark up into them, usually you'll find these products around, you know, 60 to $90 range per bottle. Per bottle. Yeah. Wow. So, it's like it's more of a high-end luxury one. And you don't feel it. You don't, like, take it and, like, well, I feel it. Don't, or it's not really how it short of the science behind it. Yes. Yeah, so, And then it's new science. That's also a thing is it's a new science. So, are relatively new and, in in, you know, in the larger spectrum of science. So this particular ingredient, it's from a B vitamin. So it's like basically a, you know, it's naturally sourced. It's probably synthesized in the lab to create it, but, Mm. um, you know, it, it comes from organic means in which we understand. Most people can understand. There, there isn't any, it isn't in any prescription drugs, but the issue is, is it kind of like, it curves into the, uh, the market share of what pharmaceutical companies maybe are already trying to prevent with some of sort of their preventive drugs, right? Yeah. And they like intimate. They might want to use it. But if it's a supplement, everyone can use it. Everyone can buy it. So like making it into a prescription drug would make it a lot more exclusive Then you can raise the price off. So... Basically, they've been lobbying from the past year, prescription companies in, in Washington Mm -hmm. to ban the use of it as a dietary supplement, basically declassify it as a dietary supplement and classify it as like, yeah. Wow. And then once it's a drug, then they can market it as a prescription. And then it kind of takes it out of the hands of all the supplements, but this happens with a lot of access. Right, exactly. So, this happens all the time. This is just kind of the beat the one that's happening right now. It just happens to be that it's a pretty damn cool ingredient. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, right now, it's hotter than a locket. People are buying it up because they know, people who know about this, mm-hmm. know that it's only going to be available for so long. They are
1: going to be in it.
0: Oh, it's in process right now, but anyone who's selling them right now is selling a lot. So, it's like, this happened to supplement. How, how do you supplement. stop something like this? Well, there's, there's petitions, there's a lot, there, there is a committee and there's people that like I'm involved in, in the supplements, they're pretty involved with the supplement industry right now. I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm kind of like a strange little celebrity in this world. It's a small little world. Okay. But like, if anyone makes supplements, like they know that they need to come to Media to make their label at this point because we have connections with all this distribution and all these manufacturers and all places where you get your bottles and where you keep your labels. We know where all that's sourced at. We know the pricing. We know the process. So we're kind of like this little brokerage consultancy that kind of turned the keys to this stuff for people who don't know how to do this stuff. Mm. So... I've gotten in with a lot of the movers and shakers who also like the publishers there's, there's influencers in this world that like are journalists, for example, and they, you know, they write on the behalf of these brands and they write on the behalf of whatever's going on in the news, as far as compliance regulatory and such. And so I've gotten to know these people and they have formed their own little committees now where they're basically influencers. They go to Washington and they create their own content about like, Hey, we're Fighting a good fight, and they create a petition, and they get everyone to sign it, and stuff like that, and they start mm-hmm. to rally different uh, politicians, really. So they're getting these politicians together and creating awareness with them, saying, "Hey, this is bad." And if it's you know savvy to like whatever political team they're on, obviously they want to jump on it so they can have something to attack. In- and the, but there's always the counter of like the other political team who's like, "Well, we're with pharma," you know. So then they, it's it's all like that. It's
1: is. just crazy to me how they would be even be able to ban something like this if it's good for you. Who's voting on this? Politicians.
0: Yeah, they based off of whatever their constituents. I'm, are.
1: Like, are they say? Are they trying to? Is pharma co- trying to convince politicians that it's it's not safe for people to take over the counter?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pharma. They, you know, they have ways of convincing. Right. That's what lobbying is, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So. Yeah, so they might go to their team and say, hey, like, this is problematic. You need to shut it down. And they'll say, all right, gotcha, fam. Mola, Mola, do their own right. Well, yeah, they'll make up whatever they need to. Whatever pays them the most. okay. <laughs> yeah, right. you would, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, you know, he said, she said. The, the point of the matter is, is this is yeah. like a subject that most people don't know about. And it's yeah. not like a hot ticket, like, social issue. It's just one of those things about like business economics where it's like there's team A and there's team B. There's the world of supplements and there's the world of pharma. And those two worlds have always been in conflict because there's a lot of things you can, you could beat with nutrition, right? Oh, absolutely. Like if you give somebody the right, yeah, yeah, give somebody, the right information about nutrition, dieting, exercise, supplementation, they can, you know, better themselves and create, create a healthier life.
1: I think preventative care is the best care.
0: Exactly, yeah. there's
1: a reason. Well, obviously, same. pharma has a has a pl- its place, right? Like, there's a lot of sickness you can cure
0: before it happens. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. And, well, obviously, pharma doesn't want you knowing that. You know what I mean? It's not really good for their bottom mind. Yes. But, oh, you know, we can get all kind of weird conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff about like how they have their own motives, but like at the end of the day, it's just simple economics, right? Absolutely. So you have these two sort of competing industries and they both provide somewhat similar products with somewhat similar solutions. One is, is, you know, consider as less profit. Well, they're both trying to maximize yeah, the ones considered like really legitimate. And the other one's considered like this sort of like pseudo thing. Pseudo Yeah. So, you know, but there's actually a lot of science in the supplement side that is actually like, I mean, I guess I'm, I can get really weird on this, but like, yeah, I mean, like the people that I work with are like pretty freaking smart biochemists that know a lot of stuff about this. They just choose this, they choose supplements because they believe in them more in pharma, because the world of pharma is like bought and sold by politicians and universities. And like there's, there's a lot of public money involved. None, Whereas... Whereas the supplement industry is one, like the drug dealers of the world. They're all entrepreneurs that like dropped out of college and we were like, got into, body, well, usually bodybuilding or some sort of like physical sport where they wanted to test those things on themselves. And then they found out that they can find and make different compounds that can really actually increase like their athletic performance or all these other different ways of longevity. And you see the subcategory that now exist today. But like, this is like a, a real like open source type of way of using science in order to learn things about things that come from the earth. Whereas pharma is like trying to, you know, like closed source, you know, Mm -hmm. they publish their studies and stuff. Some of them, but some of them they keep in for their own IP, you know, and then they, they find a way to package it and market it. And then, you know, there's only like one way to get pharmaceutical drugs in the United States. Right. It's like through this, you know, through through medicine you know and get a prescription gotta get through a doctor and so there's this like way of distribution that's like heavily controlled and whereas supplements you can go to any store and buy it right so there's two different means of distribution um and pharma wants to control theirs and where like supplements are like we want it to be open people find all different kinds of creative ways to distribute supplements and that's a part of what we do at Media is trying to find well what's your means of distribution how do we like Find a way to market that. Sometimes it's influencers. Right. Sometimes it's creating a website, creating a, an ad flow, and, and uh, sourcing an audience, and then creating offers to advertisements. Sometimes it's straight through retail. Like I said, a lot of our brands are at retail. Yep. So that is a completely different distribution model. And sometimes they do all three if you're on only brand. Uh, but usually you start. One of those places, right? If you're going to start any kind of brand or any kind of company, sell a thing, consume a package good, you should probably know like what your distribution model is. If you're going to sell, like you're going to sell shirts, for example, how would you deal? E commerce, yeah, exactly. and you're an influencer, absolutely, have an audience, so like yeah. you have a means in order where you know that, like, if you bought so much of something you could be pretty guaranteed that at least like a certain percentage of people who who have been following you and want to support you will do so absolutely you know that's a very strong like if you go to a banker and you said hey i have this much money and i know if i invest in here i can expect to return of this much money in baker codes that's a good deal mm-hmm. so like that you know that's a reasonable business plan right there but not everybody has that not anybody the sacred so they got to figure out another way to sell their thing um and sometimes you know it's like hey i know a guy who owns a store or sometimes it's uh hey i know a guy who's an influencer who i can pay him or a group of people to do it um and sometimes it's like somebody just knows how to do ads really well and they can create a really good ad set a really good ad funnel and that's another way to scale so (laughs) you see those with. uh you know, a lot of supplement brands, right? I mean, if you get pick ads on Facebook and stuff like that, and usually they're they're ad based brands. Just completely different distribution model. You have
1: a complicated life, man. Yeah, sorry <laughs> if I kind of went on a tangent. No, there, guys. no, like, it's all good. Actually, I want to. So, I want to take this to. Um, I actually want to take this back to core. Mm-hmm. So, you you've talked about how the supplement industry is the wild wild west, and and obviously the people who are even watching this, a lot of them know that I. I'm heavily involved in core on the mm-hmm. influencer side. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one of the main reasons is because I've met the owners, I've met you, I've seen everybody's heart. Like everybody is in this for the right reason. They want to put out things that they, clothing that they would wear mm-hmm. and supplements that they would take.
0: Right.
1: How's core different from other supplement brands? How's core culture different?
0: There's a few ways. First of all, we don't try and target like in uh, like an ultra competitive or performance-based consumer, like we're trying to make supplements that uh, that improve the lives of anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. It's kind of difficult because in the world of marketing, the saying goes: if you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one. It's like marketing 101. So no, we're kind of cool. like shooting ourselves in the foot there, but we're doing it sort of valent, valently because we're trying to be very open and transparent about the stuff that we make, the products that we make, and we offer to people, and we're trying to. Trying to make things that have a very wide, uh, like, like health set, like pretty much anyone could take them and find benefit from them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can implement these. Anyone can implement these products in their lives, and we're not going to over embellish them. And we're going to say a bunch of over inflammatory things about what they do. We're going to try and educate people on what we know that they do, and then we're going to try and create the most pure and transparent and high quality version of that so if we source things like our collagen we want it to be the best collagen that we can find we'll pay more for it and we do Mm -hmm. so that we can say things like we know it's grass-fed so we know it's non-gmo so we know that it's organic now a lot of people can say that you can put a lot of things on a label but like i said some of this stuff isn't always policed right Mm -hmm. so you kind of have to police yourself through documentation protocol and that's kind of where the manufacturing side comes in, where the guys at Veritacore, mm-hmm. since they own the manufacturing facility, they could control all the quality and the transparency on their end, which is they have a certain rating. It's actually a certification called NSF. Mm-hmm. And in the world of supplements, NSF is kind of like the premier, most legitimate certification you can get. It's very arduous to get. It costs a lot of money to retain. And to keep it you have to really walk a very straight line and you can't bend and break any rules because Mm -hmm. you're actually paying a boatload of money, a metric ton load of money, for those people to come and audit you and basically slap you on the hand when you mess up um, so that you can retain that certification. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the manufacturing facilities in the United States don't have an NSF rating because it's cost a lot of money and what's the point if most people don't know or care? So yeah. there's a lot of places that'll just make anything for anybody, and whether we know what that that's in that bottle or not, there's really no way of knowing other than taking it and somebody saying, "Oh, this feels like it's working for me," right?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, what you just said, no one knows. Well,
0: Absolutely. yeah, like I can tell you, it gets it gets weird, no. sort of, if you know how the whole spectrum works. And, yeah, yeah, like, but when you have an NSF rating, mm-hmm. it, you ca- you can't break the rule because you're literally paying somebody to come and basically. Audit you. Audit you. Yeah. Yeah. And they do it several times a year in order to have that little stamp to say that they're an NSF facility. So core culture is made it all those uh, uh, there. So by documentation SOP protocol, I know it's like sounds like a big word, but like mm-hmm. by their business practices, they have to like tow a very fine line of documentation protocol that guarantees what they buy, what they what they put into their products, the weights, the values, Mm -hmm. how they store it, how uh, the facility operates as far as cleanliness. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also the documentation control of like how much came in, how much went out and making sure everything is like completely sound packed where there was no fudgery going on where somebody may have, you know, sprinkled a little of this or maybe not put Mm -hmm. a little of that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't do that with this type of of documentation protocol because they actually come and audit it. So that creates this like, level of transparency where the consumer, if they understand like how this works, they can be pretty well comforted in the fact that they know that they're getting a legitimate product. Mm. So, like I said, bigger companies that sell their products in large retailers, usually the larger retailers will look for that. They want to see brands that have have the NSF certification. Yeah, and then you have to provide all the documents for that, which is not easy. Like, you got to go back all the way to wherever it's sourced from, and you got to go from these companies that source these raw materials, and you have to get them to provide all the documents. And, Mm. you know, some of these where they're made, they're made at farms in like other countries, you know what I mean? Like, and they're synthesized in labs, and like sometimes, and a lot of times, like, There's just extra
1: stuff in there. Or,
0: or yeah, or they just don't really provide a good document, like there's no mm. certificate of, there's supposed to be a certificate of analysis, so like, mm. but like in a lot of supplements that go out into the vast marketplace of all these brands that you see from people like advertising things online, like you don't really know where they're made at, and for all you know, they're being made from somewhere that's sourcing from ingredient, where they don't really know what that ingredient is. It's not like they're doing a test on it mm. because it costs a lot of money to test it. So they're just gonna say, oh yeah, we bought this much whatever amino acid and this much creatine and this much caffeine and and we're gonna put it on here. But did anyone actually go and say, is this actually creatine? Is this actually caffeine? Mm. It's all just white powder, right? So, you know, core culture does that core culture by its documentation standard has to do it. Like we literally can't break the rules even if we wanted to, not that we want to, but that's why they, we set those standards up in the first place. So that's just like the behind the scenes thing, but the products themselves are actually incredibly luxurious. Like we go and find the best ingredients that we can find because of this, because we have to get the documentation for them. Mm-hmm. they have to come with them and then the people that we do business with usually have to meet our standards of morals you know like we want to know that where we are buying our ashwagandha from is like the company that's sourcing this ashwagandha and and producing it you know are, are they good people <laughs> you know are they doing good business worldwide where they're not like committing human crimes and they're not cutting corners and mm-hmm. they're not trying to Uh, you know, create, you know, nefarious products and ingredients and things like that? Are they using pesticides and stuff like that? We're Mm -hmm. trying to find out to make sure if they're creating the most honest product, raw material that we can get. And then we also want the highest standardized version of that. So we want like basically the most premium one. Mm -hmm. So in the world of supplements, there's things called standardizations. Okay. So an ashwagandha from uh you know, one that you go and buy at Walgreens that says ashwagandha is completely different from the show ashwagandha we put on our in our focus nootropic. You know,
1: it's crazy that you it's that you said that I bought some from from Walmart. So tell me, what's the difference?
0: Ashwagandha, the the active compound in ashwagandha is called withanolides somnifera. We call them withanolides. Okay. So withanolides essentially lower your cortisol. Your cortisol is your hormone that peaks when you get hungry and hangry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's your fight or flight hormone. It's good that you have it. You should have cortisol, but you usually want to keep it kind of level. Right. So like when you get hungry, it spikes. When you lift a lot of weights, when your CNS and your central nervous system goes up, it spikes. When your blood pressure goes up, it spikes. Mm -hmm. Um, When somebody points a gun at you, it spikes.
1: Unless you're uh, you're cold blood like me.
0: (laughs) For sure. Yeah, you you keep that you keep that cortisol <laughs> low, sacred. You've been taking the focus, see? That's why. <laughs> that's exactly why. Uh, so, so so you want this thing called withanol. Oh, so you want this thing called withanolides, right? That's the active compound in ashwagandha. Okay? okay. Ashwagandha comes from a root when you ground it up. If you just gr- grind it up and put it into a capsule into a powder mm-hmm. from a from a root, you don't know how much withanolides are actually in that. You just know that there are some with analides in it because there's with analides in, in ashwagandha root. Mm-hmm. We take standardizations from them. So basically, what we do is they extract the, the, ash, the parts of the ashwagandha root that have the highest amount of with analides on them. And then they basically isolate them and then they test them to a one to one to know, like, okay, if this is, this is 1% with analyde. And then they test it to compare it to see like what this one is. Mm-hmm. So the like, it's kind of like the Snickle Fritz. The ones that you buy from Walmart is only really known to have between one to three percent, but they don't actually test it. So they don't know, but it's probably it's probably less than three percent with aniline content. That's what I'm saying. Showed in Ashwagandha is a trademarked version of Ashwagandha okay. in which they test them from that extraction and they're known with every batch to have 33% with analyzes. So it's literally 33% more effective.
1: Wow, we got some good products.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the Ferrari of ashwagandha, it's really expensive. <clears throat> but like, we don't do that with just our ashwagandha, we do that with every- Every ingredient. single ingredient. Yeah, so that's why people may say, well, core culture stuff's expensive. Well, it's a lot better of ingredients. Yeah. You know, it's like if you go to, you know, you know you you can go to a place and buy you know a a skirt steak or you can go to you know like some expensive steakhouse and get like a nice a really nice steak a really nice filet mignon like yeah we're making sure that this is yeah we're making sure that this is the prime the prime i've been trying to
1: tell my people that it works yeah listen I, i will keep promoting it because these products work especially focus
0: yeah, that's one of my favorites. That is
1: literally my favorite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, well, the protein's amazing, too. But
0: Yeah, so, like, our protein, it's, uh, if you look on the back of a label, usually if you can, you look at the other ingredients section. Mm-hmm. So you'll see the nutritional or supplement facts panel. But look down where it says other ingredients. Okay. If you see things like a bunch of Flame potassium, sucralose, maltodextrin, um, silica, Uh, and then other like colorings, you know, colors, and then natural and artificial flavors. That's a good indicator that there's a lot of like artificial things that are going inside that product. Mm. And the more other ingredients, that means the more that they're cutting the actual protein with these things in order to basically fill up the volume of the tub to make you feel like you're getting more. So he's like, Hey, we have a, you know, 50 serving tub or whatever. And it's, Mm. you know, 32 gram scoop and it's 22 grams of protein, like sometimes they amino spike them. Like Sometimes they lie about the protein content and they basically spike them with a bunch of aminos instead, which aminos are the building blocks of proteins, but they don't make the same change as like actual whole protein, protein does. So they use that as a way to fill more powder in order to make it seem like you're getting a better product, but they can sell it for cheaper because technically it isn't. It's not as superior. But if you go and look at core cultures, there's only five ingredients. There's mm-hmm. not, I've never seen, uh, we make protein labels for over 80 brands. Mm-hmm. We probably make over 200 labels at any given time right now. Nutrimedia is probably making over 200 labels for different companies across the world right now. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one protein label that's had less than, less than five ingredients or, or even close to five ingredients on the protein. We have, that means we're giving you more protein, which is the thing you're buying, and less of the other stuff. And it still tastes good, which is pretty phenomenal. And it's naturally sweetened and flavored. It's actually flavored with real cocoa powder, like chocolate oh. oh, flavored yeah, with real cocoa it. powder. <laughs> that's, that's crazy.
1: It seems like, so either you pay for a good quality product or you're going to pay for it in the long run with a bad quality product. You're going to have to buy. say, so if something says it has 30 grams of protein and it's filler, maybe it only has 15, I don't know. It's not going to be as effective and you're still going to end up paying more or the same that you would have paid if you would have bought the quality product.
0: Right. You're getting like a more denser, it's actually not more dense because it's an isolate, but you're you're getting more protein. You're getting more of the thing that you're going to buy for. Yeah. So that's what I say when we're like, we're really transparent and we make like, I don't want to say simple products, but the the idea is simple. It's like, let's just make something that's not super over-engineered, but it's like, you understand what protein is yeah let's like make it as like honest as we can make it that's it yeah it's it's that's, that's all there it, really is to it and you'd think people would think that's like a wild statement to make thinking like why does it that's what everyone does but i'm telling you yeah no they don't <laughs> i know they don't yeah. but we actually go out of our way and spend more money to do it and it costs more money and we don't make as much money as the other people do yeah but we just believe in doing that so that's why we we're blessed that we can, so we do.
1: That's amazing. And that's why I always support core culture. Yeah, it's it sounds a little Appreciate bit bore- it. it sounds a little bit boring, but I think that's what we need. I think.
0: I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that boring. If, if you believe in like good, high quality stuff, yeah. like I like nice stuff, like this. Well, when it, when it, these clothes are, are they, they cost a lot of money to make. You go to our website, people are gonna be like, "Man, it's a pretty high price point. It's like up there with Lululemon and stuff. Yeah. These cost more than Lululemon to make." we pay more than what lululemon pays to make these than what lululemon pays to make their clothes because um, we care about the quality like absolutely. we and we care about where it comes from and who we do business. like all those things matter because you can easily cut a corner somewhere when doing business especially internationally with, oh, yeah. with people who you know they may not have the same values that you have and they may be okay with you know all kinds of weird shit like you know employing children or mm-hmm. having crazy hours or underpaying people or not using quality you know ingredients and materials and stuff like that like we have to go and vet that stuff out of people first and you'd be surprised especially when doing business uh, overseas with other countries like their rules are different their value systems are different mm-hmm. so like to them it's like no this is how we do it and this is how we keep it cheap and we're like well we don't we don't want it that way
1: you know? i didn't know y'all even went to that amount of detail even with the clothing that's that's yeah actually... the clothes are
0: 100 percent prop- like proprietary we we went and we made these fabrics we, we picked out the fabrics we had them we had them constructed in on rolls of of fabric mm-hmm. and then they had to get, go get dyed so we actually had to pe- pick the dye that actually colored them and then they had, had to get sent back and then cut into The shapes that we have which are completely proprietary too they were designed by a designer that designs and tailors clothes so these looks these colors these fabrics are completely you can't go on alibaba and buy them
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: where you know that's a that's a lot of people have that business model and that's fine it's a fine business model if you can go on alibaba and you can buy 144 units for three bucks a piece (sighs) and then you can put whatever logo you want you know gymshark that's how they started um Alpha Lee, any of these big name, you know, fitness brands you see today, that's kind of how they did it. Mm. But like, this is, this is really like the Nike Under Armour, Lululemon model. This is completely proprietary. No one else can own these looks Mm. that we own them. We own the IP on them and we own, we don't own the, the uh, supply chain or the manufacturing of them. But like it, it is set up for us exclusively, if that makes sense.
1: So what what made you guys decide to do it that way? Because I know it's 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 extremely expensive.
0: It, yeah, it's it's insanely it's like mind-numbingly expensive to do it that way, and this is why most people don't do it. Um, obviously, but really, when we set out to do core culture, um, when we did our trademark and all that, it was apparent to us that like in order to Protect our intellectual property of the brand of core culture, like everything has to be completely proprietary. Yeah. That or you open yourself up to other people, um, you know, either suing you or copying you and counterfeiting you mm-hmm. and things like that. So, our vision for core culture has always been massive. We were like, we want to be this global brand and it's going to take us a long time to get there. But if we invest in the things early on and do things, try and do things right early on, It's not going to be super problematic when you're a big brand because, Mm. you know, when you sort of own your own look, you own it. You're not competing with anybody else for it. Ultimately, if we just white labeled all of our t-shirts and all that stuff and our shorts, if we just white labeled all that stuff from like Alibaba, there's a high probability that there's, you know, a hundred other brands in the U.S. that are selling essentially the same thing we're selling, just has a different logo on it. Mm. But we don't want that we want to say that you know, this is our look and we want to be able to protect that ip what's the story behind the logo the logo is a, a double enzo okay so there's really no such thing as a double enzo we just kind of made up the double enzo part but an enzo circle in japanese culture is it's a it's a practice of art so if you've ever seen uh, like you know they when they do calligraphy art you know they have mm-hmm. those special t- brushes and, and, and ink and so Enzo is basically the practice of trying to create a perfect circle, and you do it in one swish. So it's like a flick of the wrist. And this is a this is okay. an ancient Japanese. It's almost like meditation. They use it as as a form of meditation to try and create perfection, but that's impossible, and they realize that. So it's about trying to create perfection. But finding yourself Mm -hmm. in in the creation process of doing that. Understanding it'll never be perfect. Mm -hmm. You're always a work in process. And that in itself is art. It's all about the process. And that's Mm -hmm. what the Enzo Circle is. So we just made two Enzo Circles. That's a double Enzo Circle. One inside the other. We like the way it looked.
1: Okay, I love that. I love that.
0: Yeah, and there's other Enzo Circle uh, type of logos out there. So we needed to have one that... That was unique
1: this episode may not be for everybody yeah like it's it, it kind of goes really deep into the, like the the supplement industry not everybody's you know into that world but yeah. some people
0: some people you have aren't. a lot of
1: like good things to say about it that like people probably
0: lot, don't understand yeah absolutely
1: yeah. not but yeah it's weird i mean it's kind of like the more plates more dates guy yeah uh you know what i'm talking about
0: yeah for sure gorilla mind
1: yeah um he's he's, he's he kind of goes pretty detailed in this stuff and yeah But, you know, there's a market for it, clearly.
0: Yeah. uh, Like I said, like in the world of supplements, when I go on podcasts and like talk about this story, like people are really into it. Yeah. Because they kind of get what I'm talking about. And it's weird. Like I'll get like DMs from random dudes, like saying like how I inspired them to become graphic designers. Wow. Yeah, what actually, would you, what would you, one of the people that worked for us now, he inspired to be a graphic designer. Now he works for us.
1: That's that's awesome. Yeah. What would you tell someone who looks up to you, who who sees what you've done, and wants who does aspire to be a graphic designer? What what kind of tips would you give that type of person?
0: Well, there's probably two main things. So like, one is you have to be incredibly resilient of person. Like, you're gonna lose, you're gonna fail a lot you Mm -hmm. just got to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable because loss is a part of winning if you're ever going to succeed in anything you're just going to have to get used to sucking at it and and being a punching bag and the second part is uh just like having like curiosity Mm. just being curious to learn more (laughs) curious to know more you know you can't always look at yourself from like you know an outside perspective looking in and think about how people judge you who cares you know throw that shit away do what you want to do hmm you know you're, you're worth something if you believe in it it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter what means you come from in life you know what your figure is or anything like that if you have a vision to do something And you have a propensity to learn how to be really good at it. And you have the resiliency to take the hits and the L's and just keep at it and be persistent. You have the discipline to continue to do it every single day. And you remain curious and creative like you're going to win every time. Whatever it is. It doesn't really matter what it is.
1: I was about to say i think that applies to absolutely everything it does it's every every person that i've talked to about the the journey of, of an entrepreneur says the same thing success leaves clues it's Dude. just there's certain people that are going to listen to them and there's certain people that aren't
0: i used to like watch gary Vee videos and like you know oh you gotta take the l and like you're gonna lose, you're gonna suck at things a lot and you're gonna and like i was like i don't want to do that i just want to i'm good you know like oh, i'd like to make all the money now <clears throat> but I didn't realize that it just really is a part of the process of, of uh, becoming more experienced at anything. Anything. Look, we take L's every day. Like NutriMedia is a pretty well set up business where we've got it, when when everyone comes in and they're working, like we're making money. Like it's a money printing machine. It's pretty dang good at it. Mm-hmm. As long as we're all sitting there working on things that we can build people for and doing it in a way that delivering those assets and those creatives in a way that's satisfactory to the client right Mm -hmm. but don't think that there's not like a hundred l's that happen in that time that that process from getting into a day to the end of day there's like a hundred things that can go wrong and i have to be the target for that you know it's just a bunch of people throwing darts at tk and i gotta (laughs) either or sometimes (laughs) i just gotta let them hit me And sometimes I just take that shit out and like bite it and say whatever. Let's you know, let's fix it. Let's move on to the next one. So you just got to learn how to be that type of person. If you're not that type of person, then maybe you're not an entrepreneur. But like that's a part of it. And Mm -hmm. you do that for years. You never actually ever stop doing that. No matter how good and how rich you get, it doesn't stop coming. You never get above it. You You just get get, better at it. You just get better at it. Mm -hmm. You kind of jaded. You get to a point where you feel indifferent about a, a lot of stuff and the way that you interact with things in life, you kind of see different perspectives when you're a business owner. You see kind of how the money moves around it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, well, that's bullshit. You know, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get pretty good at like arguing and negotiating with people about, you know, things when you know when they're trying to, you know. You know. Bamboozing. Exactly. Yeah. Things like that. So you get kind of hardened to stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you get
1: thicker skin, all of it.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't mean it makes you, uh, you know, anyone could be a good person if they want to be you know kindness is free you just gotta be kind to people uh but you, you do get a little bit more savvy to like you know when somebody's trying to take advantage of you, things like that it's just kind of a part of the gig especially in the world that i live in it's just really super ultra abrasive and super competitive mm. but i like competition you know i I can tell i live for that shit i can tell so do i yeah it, You know if I it's not about beating someone it's more about like beating myself the day before that's what's more about
1: Mm, absolutely and I I completely agree with that it's it's crazy when you say that you love competition a lot of the things I speak about um on my social media um you know it's it's um how do I put this I'm not saying I don't have a kind heart, but I, because I do,
0: mm, I know you do. <laughs> You're one of the kindest but people I know. <laughs> the
1: things that motivate me, the things that inspire me, I—I'm the type of dude who—who—who who, who moves from seeing something like David Goggins, mm-hmm. you know, that hard nose. Just run through a wall. That type of that type of inspiration is what inspires me. Competing with yourself is is absolutely what, what yeah, gets get me you going. Gets
0: you, get you twerked up. Gets you fired up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I like on. that. My wife's completely different. Like my wife is opposite. When stuff she hears stuff like that, she's like, "That sounds that sounds uncomfortable." Yeah, everyone want to be like that. And yeah. I'm like, just some people are wired different, baby. i want to different. tell you. And yeah, and I'm one of those crazy people that are. You yeah. know, I'm not David Goggins crazy, but I'm David Goggins crazy in my little world. Right. I go harder than anyone. In your and world. And that's why there's NutriMedia. Media. No, there's no one doing what we're doing. Mm. And there's people starting to pop up trying to start doing what we're doing. And I'm like, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. I, I, I support you. I actually want to see you come into this because I need you. Like, I need you. I need to eat. Like, I need to compete with you. So, like, I, I want to see him come in. Mm. So, I got healthy
1: competition.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, I love it. So, it, we kind of dominate this weird little world right now. Intermedia yeah. is like the thing that does what we do in this, this small little industry. I mean, it's several billions of dollars, but it's still a small industry. Right. And we kind of like dominate this one little niche of it. But yeah, when people start seeing our success, they want to kind of replicate that. And to me, that's flattering, A. And two, it's like, come on with it. Like, let's let's see what you got. And like, that makes all of us better. Because now we got, we can iron sharpens iron. We're, our designers are going to get better. They're going to see what someone else is making for someone else. I'm like, man, that was cool. I'm like, Shh, that was Capitalism, cool. baby. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. love it. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> there's a lot of things, you know, philo- philosophically that I'm about, you know, from capitalists and socialistic uh, ideal, ideologies, um, but I definitely, like, I think that free market and good, like, business, like, always innovates. Yeah. That's yeah, why I, I truly I, I, believe in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, America has its issues, but we are one of the most innovative countries to ever exist. Um, but I, just to, to um, take this to a different direction, and, and we're, we're, we're about to close up here in a second. I'm curious, are you afraid of AI taking over in your space?
0: No, not really. Um, we actually use a lot of AI. Okay. Yeah, it's a tool. You know, if you don't fear it and you can find a way, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's really cool personally. Like I think it's awesome. Um, what we do is kind of so highly refined and specialized. Yeah. AI can probably generate a label, but an AI, AI can't probably generate a compliance supplement facts panel. Mm. AI yet. probably. Yeah. Yet. But AI also doesn't have like a social reputation. you know. AI doesn't know different distributors. AI doesn't know, there's not the human element about what we do. Mm-hmm. When people look at what, what we do, they see the artistic part a lot and they, you know, that's what kind of people attach to because it's what you see. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started, obviously making all these designs and stuff. But my day-to-day these days has very little to do with me actually designing. It has to do with me talking to people. Mm. AI is not talking to people for me, AI is not selling, AI is not going to conventions and shaking hands and creating peer-to-peer relationships with people in which they Mm. trust what you're doing and then you're going back and then you're building things for them that lets their business grow, AI is not doing that, Um, AI is helping do some of that like it's a tool.
1: So AI is making your job easier right Just make some
0: things quicker and honestly yeah, it 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 actually makes things quicker and less expensive for our clients. So AI mm. is a great tool right now. I'm not worried about it at all.
1: Do you think there will ever get become a point where AI could take over? Oh yeah,
0: probably. Mm-hmm.
1: But you're not worried about it?
0: No, we'll just find another way to use it as a tool.
1: Mm. You
0: know, we'll just leverage more products. You know, if it can make more labels faster, we'll just make more products faster, as long as more people buy them. You know what I mean? AI can't make a protein powder. Like you can't physically make one. You could probably program all that stuff to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you need humans to buy it. So like there's always a human they can't it. Yeah, there's like always a human factor that like we we always control the machines at the end of the day. I mean, to, to a degree, it kind of seems like they control us. But it's that's all in your head, or, right? At least the phones, right? yeah, yeah, but like you just gotta like tell yourself, you, you, you know you gotta set boundaries for yourself when it comes to yeah. things like that. Um, so yeah, we use AI for a lot of stuff, and I think it's a great tool, and maybe it will overcome graphic designers one day. But if it ever overcomes graphic designers, I think we have worse problems than that. If AI can overcome graphic designers and put me out of a job, like it's putting everyone else out of a job yeah. too Yeah. I mean, it, it'll
1: probably put me out of a job. That's
0: what I mean. Like you know. it's probably, it's probably ultra problematic in the long run. Um, <clears throat> but it's kind of already like in motion and it's probably actually a lot further developed than we understand. Mm-hmm. And we're actually like way behind on it already.
1: In terms of where AI actually is? Of
0: our understanding of where AI is. Yeah. Like it's yeah. indexing so much so fast right now and compounding so quickly that it's like it's 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 done like we already the domino already fell like it's already way gone right right yeah so there's like really no stopping it so it's either you kind of like find a way to like coexist with it exactly or um or it will just eat you and i see that in a lot of like like older people for example like my parents Like, they have not gotten with this new age of technology. They just figured they're old enough to not give a shit about it anymore, which, like, you kind of envy that sometimes in people, right? But also, you know that, like, kind of time stands still for them, too, to a certain degree. So, you know, they, like, I don't know. That's a weird subject to get on, but, like... Yeah,
1: but, I mean, I think a lot of people in their older age, that that kind of happens.
0: Yeah. They stop caring, but I never want to be a type of person where the world, like, moves on from right like that's something i fear if i fear anything like i don't want the, mo- the world to move on from me because i just decided that i can't do it anymore because it's just all too much for me mm-hmm. you know what i mean do you, in that do you, case do you consider
1: you, yourself a learner
0: yeah you just gave up if you do that you gave up you said i'm going to stop learning now i'm going to stop improving now and then like that's the point after that
1: listen as long as you're always learning you always stay young.
0: That's you true. Stay, you yeah. always
1: stay. If you're always staying curious, you always stay young.
0: That's right. Yeah, you, you know, you're you're never as smart as you think you are.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Well, it's been nice talking to you, TK. Thank you. I actually have two more questions for you. Okay. First question is: Where can everybody find you online?
0: At Nutri on Instagram. That's probably our largest. Uh, social media. We don't have a very large social media following. It's weird because like it doesn't really matter because with, with my sub 1000 followers, I can still like make a million dollars off that. That's wild, huh?
1: I think I saw a post actually of you talking about how your business is, is either you've encroached on a million dollar business or you are, you are at a million dollar business. We're going to be
0: encroaching on a million dollars at two years now. But but with with our main form of marketing being through Instagram and we have like 900 followers, but every one of the people that follow me, like owns big companies, so like it's just all about aiming small and missing small with your core audience.
1: Listen, if I had 900 of those people in a room, that would still be pretty intimidating. It's- oh,
0: like two of them would you'd be like the most wealthiest people you've ever met in your life. Just two of them, think of nine hundred of them. <laughs> it's it's wild, like how some of these people are very yeah. influential that follow me and I'm like, that's crazy.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, that like somebody would watch my story when I know that they're like they have like a billion dollar company that they run. I'm like, wow, that's that's wild. But they watch me every single day. And sometimes they, you know, like DM me, yo, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh
1: <laughs> Right. That's awesome. Yeah, you should hire us. <laughs> awesome. So Instagram is your main platform. Yeah. Last question. what is the impact that you want to have on the world
0: mm. my impact uh, i would say mine's kind of selfish okay. i don't i don't i don't find, i don't see myself as like a shepherd of the planet i don't i don't i don't think tk is going to change the world but what i can do is i can be a good father i can be a good husband i can be a good um manager and business owner of the people at NutriMedia and the people that work at Core Culture I can affect their lives I can help them prosper I can help them you know I want them to be a little uncomfortable I want to be that thing that makes them a little uncomfortable so they can learn what discomfort is so they can learn mm. how to be self-reliant on themselves so if I want to impact on the world I just want to influence the people around me in a positive way that can help make them better and grow so they can survive. They can learn how to survive.
1: Hmm. You know how you change the world, right? One person at a time. One person, one at, person time. at a time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I guess. It,
1: it's been good, TK. I love that. Yeah, bro. That's amazing, man. Thank you. It's been good. I appreciate you. Go ahead and follow him at Media on Instagram.
0: We're out. The Sacred Podcast.